Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler, where we talk about baseball and sports performance. With topics ranging from coaching, business, and player development, our goal is to bring you a no BS approach to development in baseball and sports performance. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler. Um, we're going to have a topic today talking about hitting mechanics. Um, I had a conversation um, with Adam before we hopped on talking about, you know, when, when certain parents kind of approach us and they say, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, Hey, you know, my kid's got perfect hitting mechanics, so I don't want you to change anything. Um, but we just want to make sure that they're getting better and everything. And we're going to kind of touch about this and we'll, I'll use a specific example and it doesn't happen often, but it happens enough to where obviously we're addressing it on a podcast, but you know, you know, the idea of perfection to me is impossible. I'm kind of confused when people use that word about anything. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be the best dad I can be. I'm far from perfect. Um, you know, especially with the sport that we do, when you hear people use the word perfect hitting mechanics or you're perfect the way you are or whatever, like, you know, they're kind of lying to you because actually they are lying to you. We, we want to be as honest as possible. And, you know, perfection to me means somebody that doesn't need growth, um, you know, and you have to have change in order to grow. So, we're going to dive into this and I'm really eager to hear Adam talk about this because, you know, like we're running businesses at different parts of the country, but, you know, people are the same and p- people are going to have different ideas and they're going to have the same. I'm sure me and Adam have probably had hundred of the same conversations, don't even realize it. So we're going to dive into this a little bit, but Adam, man, so what's your thoughts on this, man? And kind of what's, uh, what's going on with the high soil heat the last few weeks? Yeah, I'm excited to get to this episode here because I think a lot of the swing mechanics are just always talked about whether it's on Twitter, social media, Instagram, in person with your coach, with dad and son, it's just everything I feel like hitting related always goes to mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. And we're going to kind of dive into what is, there is no such thing as the perfect swing or there's no such thing as one way of swinging. So it's going to be cool to kind of dive deep into talking about this. And if somebody is telling you that you are perfect at something, they're lying to you, like Sean was saying. And I just want to help these parents and kids understand that you got to have these coaches that are telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And unfortunately, in the world of what we're doing now, a lot of guys are going to tell you what you want to hear just so you can continue to come back and spend money at your place. Or they're just saying that just so they don't want to hurt your feelings and you never come back. So we've lost customers, I'm sure, before because we've talked to them about what they continue to need to work on. And maybe they didn't like being told that they weren't perfect. So they left and Maybe they went somewhere else. I don't know. But it's happened before. And like you said, in both Indiana and Alabama, we're in two parts of the country, but we still deal with the same the same similar stuff. So it's going to be cool to talk about this episode here and then also just talk about uh, how it's a coach's job to be honest with his players and then players be honest with their coaches and just having that relationship stuff. We've talked about a thousand times on this podcast, but we can't stress it enough on how important that is. So, before, so when we dive into this, Sean, kind of – I guess, set us up to how all of this went down to get us to where we're talking about this today on the topic. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there was a conversation recently um, that was brought to my attention about this mom that was asking her coach um, or her daughter's coach um, about, hey, like, what, what, what's the best place for me to get um, lessons at? And they mentioned Laird's training. Actually, she has a son, too. So it's actually a daughter and a son. And, um, and that coach specifically, uh, was like, Hey, you know, I can't think the son was in high school. It's like, Hey, you need to go, uh, see this, uh, Sean Laird, you know, you need to go to Laird's training. They're the best around. They're going to, they're going to make your kid better. They're going to push your kid, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so long story short, the mom, um, approached and was essentially saying, Hey, like their hitting mechanics are perfect. Their hitting mechanics are awesome. 
Um, we don't want to change anything. We don't want to do anything like, you know, we've been told by multiple instructors, multiple coaches that mechanics are perfect. We don't need to do anything there. There's just one little thing that they do wrong or, or whatever. And I won't dive into too much, obviously, in the conversation, but it, 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 you know, it got me thinking, I'm sitting there listening to this and I'm like, I'm so confused as to why this is something that is said by parents. Like why, why the word perfect any mechanics are used. And obviously it's just like travel baseball. Like when people are, are, are lying and they're feeding lies to people. So we're going to kind of dive into like, you know, what's the reason. And, and I, I broke down, you know, and, and explain these things all the time about why perfect hitting mechanics don't exist. Um, and there's four main categories for me that, that dive into hitting mechanics, but I kind of want to get you, you to start off here, Adam, like somebody approaches you like, Hey, I have perfect hitting mechanics. Uh, or my son or daughter has perfect hitting mechanics. We don't want you to change much. Boom. What's your first immediate response to that? Uh, initially, my first response would be, why are you here? And mm-hmm. maybe that sounds like a, you know, what kind of move, but that's exactly, if your son is perfect or your daughter is perfect hitting mechanics, why are you here? And some will tell you, oh, well, I'm just here to get reps in. And we stress enough that we're not here just to throw your kid BP and flip your kid balls just so they can sit there and get their swings off. Like if they come here, they're going to have to improve on something. Why? Because we all need to improve in certain, we all need to improve. There's not anybody that comes in either one of our facilities right now that we don't tell them one thing. They just hit the whole time and they're perfect because the perfect swing does not exist. Uh, a lot of guys will ask, hey, coach, who's your favorite one to watch in the big leagues? And I'll name different guys, but even they have flaws and there's not a perfect swing there. What they do is they just, their flaws don't show up as much as the younger kids or the average kids or the ones that are playing in high school. That's why they're at the level they're at. There's not one thing. If everybody had perfect hitting mechanics or these big leaguers did, or Mike Trout did, or Otani, whoever the hot guy is right now, they would be batting a thousand. They would have a hundred home runs. Like they would never get out. So I think so many of us and so many parents just dive into mechanics so much that it almost becomes like, being a swing coach, so to speak. And like you said, there's main principles and like the meat and potatoes of the swing that we install in our players, but you can't walk in our facility and see guys that all swing the same way. That's the coolest thing is I got three guys in last night and all three of their loads were different and they all did really well last night, but they load three different ways. One was the tap, one was more of a leg kick and one was just like a pickup put down. And that's what I try to stress enough is like, we're not going to, try to teach you one way to load. You're your own athlete. You need to know how to move that gets you into your spot to get ready to fire off and get ready to hit the ball hard. So in perfect swing mechanics, it would be, why are you even here? If you believe you have perfect swing mechanics. And then my second one would be, well, obviously somebody has told you some false information and we can either get to work here or you can kind of take your money and stuff like that and go somewhere else. But if I'm going to tell you somebody tell you false information, it's because it's the truth. And we stress on being truthful with these players and think about it. If you're the young kid and you hear my swing is perfect, then you walk around and you go to school and you go to practice and you know, how kids are, they're going to tell whatever they want to tell and talk to their friends and stuff. So now this poor child thinks they have the perfect swing and they're not having success, though. So what's going on here? What is the correlation of you're being told false information? Now you have false hope and you're not seeing the success that you have on the field. So those would be my two big main concerns is if you have the perfect swing, why are you here? And the number two is somebody has told you some false information and we need to dive in deep. And if you're serious about trying to get better, we can make the adjustments and think and break down your swing and look at maybe one or two things that we need to have get you right back in the right direction. But that'd be kind of the way I approach it. How would you approach it, Sean, if somebody comes in saying that they do have the perfect swing mechanics or their child has this, the perfect swing already? You know, I, I, I heard, I, I learned this um, 
about, I don't know, three, four years ago, but I learned something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Are you familiar with that, Adam? Uh-huh. Yeah. So like, essentially it's when, so when people overestimate their knowledge or, or, or their, their effort or, or overestimate themselves as if they, they know what's going on. Um, and if I'm butchering that, I mean, I guess I can, I can kind of look it up to kind of get an idea, but they're, they're basically overestimating their performance and their knowledge in something and basically considering themselves almost like an expert, like they're, they're, they're too smart for their own good. Essentially. They don't understand the ignorance in, in something. And I was like, man, that's great. I'm going to start using that all the time. But like, especially in this day and age, like people will read an article on something on Twitter or something, then boom, they're like, they're immediately like, they know everything about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I sit here and I get, I've got a, a PN1, my precision nutrition license and, and, um, you know, through the condition certifications. And I'll, I'll listen to people talk about, not to say that I'm the end all be all, but I'll listen to people talk and about nutrition or something or about hitting or whatever. And I'm just like, you know, what are your qualifications for this? Cause that's the thing is like, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I a hundred percent that everybody should have a right to voice their opinion, but it doesn't mean that opinion should be heard or listened to. Um, and you know, like if I'm going to go to a doctor, their assessment on me is going to be more important than somebody that looked on something online and, and said, Oh, this is what you got wrong with you. Um, you know, we have to have expertise in fields. So, you know, I, when I hear parents talk like this and hear parents say things, it, it immediately makes me like, okay, so anybody that says something like perfect swing or they're perfect or whatever, like it immediately tells me that they don't have much experience in that field or they have any experience in that because, you know, when it comes to like, let's, we'll talk about the perfect swing right now because that's what we're talking about. Hitting mechanics is like, you know, if somebody says that they're essentially saying that that means their, their, their mechanics, their proprioception, awareness of the body in space is perfect. They know exactly where their hands are, exactly where the hips are, everything at all times. It essentially means their timing is perfect all the time. Right. And, and, and you and I both know the timing is not perfect all the time. The pipe, like if we're perfect, you know, there's still other things that can go wrong, but it's going to put us in the best of six, best position for success. It's also saying that they have no built mobility flaws. Like they can get in any position they want to get into. They can adapt into any position they want to get into. Um, but it's also saying that their core strength is perfect too. They're able to control their core and, and rotate explosively and do things explosively. And their direction is on point. I can go on and on and on and on about this. And then lastly, this is the thing that's most important is that means mentally that they're perfect. You know what I mean? Like you can't have perfect, perfect swing or perfect hitting mechanics unless you are mentally you know, better than everybody else or, 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 or in a mental capacity to be able to, to make adjustments because a lot of the hitting game is internal. You know, a lot of things in life are internal. You know, you've got to you've got to think your way and, and believe your way to success. So, you know, breaking that down and those aspects of things like people listening, like now you're like, well, damn, like those those categories right there show that like, there's no such thing as perfect hitting mechanics. Um, and especially like if we want to have a swing of adjustability and we want to be able to adjust to pitching, you know, like hitting is timing and pitching is disrupting timing. So if, if, if hitting is timing, that means that your entire swing has to be adjustable. Your, your mechanics have to be adjustable. And I use this example a lot with hitters all the time. It's like, if, if we were just teaching you to hit 40 mile an hour BP, you can get as big as you want. You know, you can, you can do whatever you want and you'll be able to put the bear on the ball. But when you start facing that stressful velocity or that stressful spin, spin that you're not used to, you're uncomfortable with, that's when the flaws and that's when the littlest, the smallest, you know, improvements or changes have the biggest impacts. Like, and, and that's the thing is like for somebody that has a, has a son or daughter, it's only 13 years old and saying perfect. Like they haven't played the game long enough to understand what that even means. They haven't experienced hard games and you have experienced hard parts of life long enough to know what it means. And especially with a mother, like if, if I'm listening to a parent that says, 
hey, my kid's got great hitting mechanics. I'm not even going to use the word perfect, great hitting mechanics. And they've had three or four kids already go up and they're playing college baseball or pro ball or whatever. There's some sort of, you know, experience and some sort of, you know, you know, expertise behind that statement. I'm going to listen to that parent more. But if I have a parent that has just two kids and they're still in the middle of their learning and, and you know, mentally, like, you know, you and I both know, I'm like, Kids, like I, I did not figure out my pro perception, like really know where my hands were or what I was doing physically until I felt like I was like 20, 21 years old, maybe mm-hmm. probably 21 years old. Um, and to sit here and think that the kids that are in the, their early teenagers are completely aware, like I've never worked with a hitter that knew exactly what they're doing at all times. I've, I've never worked with a hitter at that age. Now, I have some older guys that have perfect feel and understand like to a T, like we've had Zach, Zach Britton on the podcast uh, in the past and a couple of times, and he's in the Blue Jays organization, that dude knows his feels and knows his swing very well. Um, I would listen to everything that guy has to say about what he, what he feels with his hands, what he's feeling with his hips, what he's feeling with uh, where his awareness is. Like, But that guy's taken hundreds of thousands of hacks, and you know he's, he's 23 years old, 22, 23 years old, and the guy knows his swing. He's done it long enough to be able to get that feel. And so – Perfect hitting mechanics. The, the the problem with me hearing that is like I was I was saying earlier is that that te- that that uh, parent or kid they're not wanting to change. All they're wanting, like you said, is they're wanting reps in, and, and you can get reps in by yourself. But at the end of the day, like when you you understand that this game, like you don't have the knowledge. You know, you're 40, 50, 60 years old coaching the MLB. You're still learning every single day, and by saying perfect, you're saying that you don't want to learn anymore. So you know. If you got a guy, Adam, that is, you know, saying, man, this swing's all about mechanics, because you kind of touched on it a little bit, kind of elaborate, like, like, you know, it's more of a swing coach, you know, versus hitting mechanics, kind of elaborate, like, what's the top two or three things that you really kind of work on, you know, that are, that have to do a little bit with mechanics, maybe, but kind of is really more of the issues that kids have as they get older, or as they're in those teenage years. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, what does it look like whenever it's kind of game speed? Because we can all look perfect off a tee and front toss and easy BP. And then what is happening when it challenges us? What is our body doing? And I think a lot of it is they're not getting into their spot on time, ready to deliver the swing. So one of our main principles is when you start off on the tee or you start off in front toss is hitting from our no stride position or our launch position, whatever you want to call it, and learning to be really good and accurate from that position, because that's ultimately where you're going to hit from no matter how you do load. So that's one of the main principles. You've got to learn how to hit from that position. And so many kids that come in that have never been with us before, they don't, they don't even know how to move from that position because they've never really been into it. So now it's installing kind of the meat and potatoes, like we talked about of we've got to get into this spot. Then what do we, do from the spot that helps deliver a strong explosive swing. But going back to like swing coach versus hitting coach, that's where it's fun of, you can see a lot of guys on social media, I would say are geared more towards swing coach than they are hitting coach. Cause it's always mechanics. What's the barrel doing uh, hip shoulder separate, whatever they're trying to break down, but it's always geared towards uh, a mechanical type of drill. Now, when you're doing drills, don't do them just to do them, do them because you have a reason and a purpose behind it. Uh, there was a kid in yesterday, a college player uh, that's back in town because his school got messed up because of Ida. He's back in town for a couple of weeks. And I've told him yesterday, like, he's wasting his time hitting the outside pitch on the tee because he could do that in his sleep and hit it and drive it that way. What he struggles with is elevating the ball pull side with backspin. So I said, well, let's build you a new routine of get to your no stride first and down the middle for like two or three. And then after that, move the tee inside, try to perfect 
the perfect timing of getting the barrel, where am I catching the ball at on the tee first because the ball's not moving. Now notice we're doing this from when the ball's not moving off the tee to try to instill these principles of so-called the perfect swing. But no, it's just helping him get to his spot and where his contact point needs to be. I think contact point is one thing that a lot of us don't talk about enough. If you watch hitters, I think a lot of people and a lot of hitters, because we're being told catch the ball deep, hit the ball deep at young ages that if you watch hitters, they're constantly hitting the ball like in the middle of their body and they're not getting that contact point in front of the plate. A great story, uh, Christian Yelich, when he went from the Marlins to the Brewers, his swing mechanics didn't change. You can do a side-by-side. Maybe there was a little bit more of a hover move in Milwaukee, but if you break down his contact points from, I think, 16 to 17 or 16 to 18, it was just like a, maybe six or seven inches more in front of the plate. And all of a sudden, boom, 35 home runs, 40 home runs where he was hitting a lot of weak – I mean, I think, he, I think he led the league in ground ball percentage in 16, which he was more of an athletic speed guy. But he had the power in him. He just didn't know because he was hitting the ball too deep. And so what the Brewers – they grabbed him, hey, catch the ball more in front. What? That's it? No, catch the ball more in front and watch your power just go through the roof. So launch angle is a big word that people like to use these days and throw around. If you just catch the ball in front of the plate, you're going to hit the ball mainly in the air. And that's what you just catch it on the lift going through. The deeper you let the ball get, the more ground balls and weak contact that you're hitting. And people listening to this maybe think, wait, what? My whole coach, all he ever talked about was hit the ball deep, see the ball deep, drive it oppo, drive it oppo. And if you continue to just work on that every single day at practice, no wonder you're having trouble meeting your contact point in front of the plate to be able to drive balls and hit balls hard. Uh, I think a lot of people will come in. And I mean, I'm sure you can agree with this, Sean. When guys come in, they're like, hey, you ask them, what do you want to improve on? How many times do they say more power or more extra base hits or hit the ball harder? And a ton of them. That's mostly what the older kids say whenever they're coming through. And it's, all right, well, guess what? Let's catch the ball a little bit more in front of you. And they kind of look at you like, what? And it's like, no, let's start with getting our contact point right. And you're an athlete. You already know pretty much how to move. Let's clean up your path, and then the lower half and stuff like that will continue to take care of itself. So watch kids throw, throw medicine balls. I like watching them throw medicine balls, both their dominant side and the non-dominant side, and they're teaching themselves kind of how to move and rotate with their lower half. So I think a lot of it, if you clean the path up and you make your contact points more in front of the plate, your lower half will kind of take care of itself. Now, if you're in that hitting kind of, to me, is like broken down into basically like three stages where – when you're young, it's hand-eye coordination. Just hit that ball hard, swing fast, see what you can do. Like, get away with doing it. It doesn't have to be the perfect swing. Just get away with getting the barrel to the ball fast. When you're in, like, that teenage years, is now you're understanding maybe you're just now enter, entering the weight room a little bit. So it's kind of com- combining, uh, all right, I got some weight room. I'm, I'm still trying to learn how to move. I want to drive the ball. I've got to drop three in my hand, a little bit heavier bat. So – all right, I still want to get geared towards more swinging fast, moving fast, rotating fast. And once you get that principle of learning how to produce power with your body as that later years now of you being in the weight room for so long and learning how your body works is now it's how is my path? How is my hands and my wrists working? And how is my barrel awareness? Does it get to the ball consistently or am I not sure where my barrel's at whenever I'm getting ready to swing? So it's just kind of like how you work through all the way. Once you build that engine up, so to speak, now it's this hone in on correcting the path to try to be as accurate as possible. And then with the contact points, again, catching it more in front of the plate, now your timing is going to get better because you're not getting beat by fastballs anymore. Now, obviously, somebody will come back and say, well, what if I'm just way early and I'm yanking balls, poolside? Okay, well, those are the guys that need to be told, hey, 
you're, you have fast bat speeds. You don't need to make contact way out of the hand against 75. Like that's where you're going to have to let the ball get deeper. But I think in my opinion, not enough people practice catching the ball in front, elevating the ball pull side. And when I say elevate, I don't mean you have to hit home runs pull side, but learn how to lift the ball in the air over the left fielder's head. If you're a righty or, and, and, and try to get away from the toppers that go right over the shortstop or the ones that start out fair and they hook foul because we're around everything so much. So contact points is going to be a big key of that. And like I said, just go to the field if you can. Hit on the field as much as possible if you can't. If you're in the cage, just kind of change your sights and don't get sucked up into the tunnel vision of the cages. Because if you're trying to work on elevating the ball pull side, but you continue to hit the ball dead center of the cage because it looks more of a line drive, now you're not really getting all that out of it. So it's just the importance of having a plan of what you're trying to practice here. So I think contact points doesn't get talked about enough. Hitting from a strong launch position doesn't get talked about enough. And then just kind of cleaning up the path and where is my barrel at? Barrel awareness is what I call it. It's going to just be kind of the three main things that I think will continue to help hitters get better at. And you don't have to fight this perfect swing anymore because you, you nailed it as the pitcher's trying to disrupt our timing. So I don't care if you have the perfect swing. If you're not on time, you're not going to hit. It's just the way it is. And mm-hmm. we see that happen all the time. Of I mean, how many scouting reports probably are out there that, man, so-and-so has the best swing I've ever seen. Well, then why don't they hit? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I always want to come down to is why don't they hit if they have the, prefer- the, the best swing or they look the best or they generate this much power? Like, just show me the guys that can hit, and then we can kind of break down stuff from there. But – it all comes down to what are you doing in that box and what is your, like you nailed it with the mental game. Are you tough enough? Do you know how to handle when you get a bad call? Can you adjust and get ready to get back in the box or are you already defeated? Like there's so much that goes into it. So I'm glad that we were talking about the perfect swing because there's so much more than just what the swing actually looks like that I think doesn't get talked about enough. And that's the difference in my opinion of like a hitting coach all the way through and then more of just a swing coach, Hey, swing a certain way and just trust it. And hopefully it works out for you. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, for those who listen, I don't think you understand that amount of knowledge bombs that Adam has dropped right there. Cause you know, there's people that know hitting that are probably going to be listening to this. Oh, damn, that was, that was good stuff. Cause you know, that like that right there is part of hitting mechanics, even though it's not traditional mechanics, but when people come to see us and, and like, well, I didn't plan, we didn't plan this for those who are listening. Like, you know, I literally talk about a lot of the same things that Adam's talking about all the time. We talk about launch position and we share ideas, but you know, like, like you're saying, like contact points, like that's something that needs to be stressed on because people hit off the tee. And when they do hit off the tee or they do soft toss, they have no idea where to set up or where the contact points should be. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big advocate of working on opposite field, but you're hundred percent right. Like, in order to hit that high velocity, you've got to be able to get the barrel head out front on high velocity pitches, period. And if you can't do that and you're getting beat constantly, you're not going to play for a long time. And like you said, with 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 the contact points is, you know, part of hitting mechanics is, is you know, what's your path? What's your hands doing? Where's your launch position? Is your sequence on point? Are you working your hips first? Or are you, are you a top down guy? Are you front shoulder first? And then everything goes from there. And it's like you said, like, you have to drill that stuff over and over and over and over and master it. And then you got to work on it when the ball's moving. Yep. And, and, and that, that stuff right there is, is huge on point. And I've noticed the same thing. Like you got kind of two spans of kids. You got kids that are way out front trying to hit the ball too early. And it's not that they're trying to hit the ball too early. It's kind of like they're starting their swing and almost cheating with their timing to get the bat head way out front because they think they're going to be late. And you got other kids that are almost fighting inside out, pushing the ball the opposite side of the field and, and both those guys need opposite work need different types of work and cleaned up the direction and 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 so 
people that are sitting here listening go, oh, and maybe you're listening you before you heard this, you're like, my kid's got perfect hitting mechanics or, or, or whatever. Like Adam just broke down a part of hitting that's not talked about enough. You little, if you watch on Twitter all the time, people will watch, you know, hips, they'll watch the hands, they'll watch the launch position, certain things. But at the end of the day, like Adam was saying, like the launch position is not talked about enough and where you're making contact with a ball is not talked about enough. Um, you know, you got guys that want to hit more line drives or elevate the ball more. And I was just having this conversation with one of my elite hitters the other day. He wants to hit more home runs. And I was stressing to him. I'm like, dude, like, well, one, your timing's got to get better. Like you're fighting balls off and you're losing your hinge and you're losing your upper half. Like you can't rotate around your spine. You cannot be explosive. And like you say, Adam is hit inside of a phone booth. We can't do that if we're not in a good position when the foot gets down. Um, and so there's, there's so much that goes into this. So when you hear, People saying, hey, you know, I, you know, perfect mechanics, perfect this. There is more knowledge. Like you could be doing lessons for three, four years, and there's still new stuff that you're learning. There's still new things they're doing. Like you, we like I always joke around, we could do a different lesson for 10 years straight, and we can we can do a similar drill, but I could do a, a, a like a 10th, 15th, 20th variation of that drill that that kid specifically needs. Um, we need, like you say, we need the meat and potatoes, but each kid's gonna be a little bit different. So, you know. Back to uh, before I go to the next question, before we go roll into about coaches and stuff, you know, it, people in the weight room, like imagine somebody saying that their squat technique or their deadlift technique is perfect at 13 years old. That's preposterous, right? Yeah. Imagine somebody saying that their driving technique, they're the perfect driver at 20 years old. Like that's just, it's mind boggling to sit there and say, there's so much that's more involved. And that's the thing is you got to open your mind. You got to think bigger. You got to understand that there's so much more involved with swing mechanics or, or hitting mechanics or whatever, than just where your hands are going or what your hips are doing or whatever. There's so much more involved in that, you know, contact points, like you were saying, you know, direction, you know, balance. Balance is another thing that kids are absolutely struggle with mightily. Um, you know, hip mobility issues, ankle mobility issues. Like I see basketball players all the time that cannot rotate efficiently. Mm. Uh, they just don't have a strong, stable ankle or strong, stable knee at times. But now that we're kind of getting out of that, you know, let's talk about the, the coaches and the instructors that say this, because I, I kind of want to say it's like, you know, if a coach or instructor would ever tell your kid, first of all, and it's a red flag. So parents, if you reach out to us and you say that you know, they've been to multiple instructors and their instructors have said, da, 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 that's a red flag. Like, why are you like at 13 years old? Why have you been to so many instructors that people are saying that? Why, why are coaches, you know, saying this stuff like any respectable coach would never say to a kid that you're perfect. Any respectable instructor would never say to a kid that they're perfect because you're literally enticing that person to stop working hard. You're essentially telling them to stop working hard because everything's good. And I'm not going to get into tangent, but that's exactly what's wrong with, with people today is they want to be patted on the back instead of saying, told you're not good enough. Hey, you're not good enough because people want to feel good. And at the end of the day, like, you know what's better than feeling good? is earning feeling good, mm -hmm. doing things the right way, struggling, going through the adversity, and then making yourself better at the top. Because you, you can be lie, you can lie to yourself as much as you want um, to make yourself feel better. But sooner or later, those flaws or those problems, those issues, or what you don't know, that's going to be shown. It's going to be shown in the limelight. But to get to you, Adam, like you hear a coach and, a, and an instructor saying that, like, what's your first impression? Yeah, it, it makes me frustrated because there are people out there that are telling people this, just like I said, for them to continue to either keep coming to them or they're taking the lazy way out of telling them that they have these other things to work on and they don't want to put in the work to tell them exactly what they need to continue to work on. Uh, there's false hope of telling them that they are great and they're going to quit. And, and you know, you nailed it when you talked about 
if somebody tells me I'm perfect at something, like, why do I need to really continue working at my craft? It just doesn't make any sense. I'm already really, really good at it. So that's the way I, I would take it. That's the way any average normal person would take it. If you tell me I'm perfect at it, good. I don't have to improve that aspect anymore. I'm already perfect. There's no way I can get better. That's the way you got to look at this thing. So when you use the word perfect, yeah, man, that is a tough word. And even uh, like between us, I think we're really good at what we do hitting wise, expertise wise. But like if somebody said, oh, man, Adam, like you're like a hitting guru. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And people will laugh. I'm like, well, you just don't want to be conceited or anything. I was like, no, because if I was a hitting guru, I wouldn't have to message Sean about, hey, you got any tips here? Or I wouldn't have to reach out to anybody about, hey, I don't know what I need to do with this hitter. What do you got for me? A guru would know absolutely everything about everything. So there's no such thing as a hitting guru out there. There's guys that you may communicate with that you think understand the mechanics of what makes you click and what makes you go and they're really good at it but how do you know they didn't get that information from somebody else that's currently helping you so I think coaches need to be more open and honest about if they're getting help or where they got it from or who they heard it from and then relaying it to the athlete or relaying it to the parent of this is where we can improve on my favorite talks are the ones with parents after we get done with the session of like Hey, what uh, can Johnny work on? I saw you doing certain things with his feet today. Yeah, well, we were just making sure he was staying square because he was tending to open up too early or he was stepping closed. Oh, okay, good. We'll continue to work on that. Like there's little things like that. There's never a perfect round, a perfect a perfect day, a perfect lesson. Like it just doesn't exist. So for a coach to be able to use the word perfect and tell you that they're giving you false hope. And unfortunately, I hope you didn't go to them for quite a while and continue to pay them money just for them to tell you that your athlete is perfect because there are people out there that will tell you that. And they're going to continue to kind of, like you said, pat them on the butt because they don't want to tell them the truth. Uh, I put something yesterday on Twitter about it was really cool. I was listening to a radio show. A guy wanted to be a, a broadcaster and he met with the top broadcaster for I think it was for the Seattle Mariners. And like literally he just wrote him a note and said, if you want to be here, you will. And so the way I relate it to kind of college baseball was if you want to play college baseball, you will. Now it's up to you on how much work you're going to put in to make sure you play college baseball. And everybody looks at you like, wait, what? Yes, you control how much you want to play and put in work. And I got a message from a kid that is walking on at a JUCO here and like said, you nailed this coach. Like I'm living proof from it. And it's really cool to see that this guy is playing college baseball because I saw him when he was in, I think, seventh or eighth grade. And there's no chance in heck I would have ever thought that guy was playing college baseball. But what did he do? He busted his butt and he worked. And now he's going to be able to suit up and play college baseball. And he's actually doing really well right now, which is cool to see. But ultimately, if you want to do this, you will. It's just up to you on how much, how bad do you really want to? And if you kind of want it, then you're never going to reach that, that area. And people that we've played with before that maybe wanted to – either play in college or play at that next level. Like, yes, injuries and stuff happen, but like, did they put in that extra work to try to get to that next level or did they kind of just, uh, if it happens, it happens. And I think too many of us just kind of live by that. If, if it happens, it's happened, it's supposed to happen versus kind of putting your nose in the ground. And I always said like for athletes, you need to be able to look in the mirror at the end of the night and, and just be happy with yourself and say, I literally gave it everything I had and I can be content with it. If you can't, then it just sucks that you went through life like that. So don't allow your athlete or your child or whoever you're coaching to get away with doing that. If that's their ultimate goal is to try to play at the highest level with whatever they want to play at. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think it's a good way to, to end it. Like the biggest takeaway, you know, and you saying, just keep your nose to the ground. Like when people, if a, if a coach or instructor says you're perfect or you're great or whatever, that's noise. You can't put your nose to the ground and work when you're when you're hearing noise and you're hearing all this stuff inside your head. And 
you know, you, you want to build kids up, but you also need to break them down so they can build themselves up. And, and when it comes to, you know, the road to success, everybody's road is going to be different. Everybody's adversity is going to be different. Everybody, different things that people experience in life is going to be different, but there is one hundred thing that is absolutely true. And, and, you know, I live by this every day. Iron sharpens iron and you can't, you can't build something great with nice being nice and easy at everything. Like I can't build a strong foundation out of marshmallow. I use that example guys all the time. Like I, I have to create this foundation. This foundation has got to be rock solid. It's got to be rock hard. How do I create that rock solid, that rock hard foundation through trials, tribulations, through hard work and going through and ignoring those, those, those excessive positive things, but also excessive negative things. Cause it's both sides of the spectrum. You want to ignore the negative things, but you want to hear, like you hear criticism and that people, the reason why people love hearing good things, they don't like it. Like, you know, it, it hurts their feelings. Um, and I'm, I'm here to tell you like feelings don't matter. Like feelings don't matter. What matters in is if you believe in yourself and you believe in what you can do. And what I mean by that is believe in your work ethic. Like, and that sounds corny. Oh, believe in yourself. Like that's more than, it's more than just saying, Hey, I believe I can do something. It's, it's confidence. Even when you're at your absolute worst, you know, you can work through and do this. And that's where the discipline and all that work comes in. So when you hear those things, be careful as a parent, when you hear an instructor saying nothing but positive things, like that's a big, 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 big problem. It's the same way as I, I don't want to hear nothing but negative things. I want to, yeah. I want to be that right there in the middle. Um, so, you know, the only way to keep your nose to the ground and grind, like Adam was saying is you have to tune out the far negative stuff and the, and the far positive stuff. And I've got to look at, okay, what are my flaws? If somebody says something negative, is it true? Okay. Like take your emotions out of it. Is it true? Boom. Just as well as, and, and I, I fix that just while someone says super positive. Okay. Is what he said is true. Is it true? Like if I have perfect swing mechanics, am I the best hitter in the state of Indiana? Or am I the best hitter in the nation at my age? If the answer is no, eh, get out of here. And even then you'll see the best hitters in the world. They'll sit there and say, I still need to get better. Still need to get better. Still need to get better. But good stuff, man. I love the, I love the breakdown earlier on contact points too, because it's something that needs to be just stressed on more and people need to talk about more, but anything you want to end on, bub? Yeah, I think ultimately just comes down to it is like we always talk about hitters hit literally just find a way to get the barrel to the ball in a certain way that helps you produce on the field and catch barrels. And if you can do that, like you can play this game as long as you want to. If you're not doing that, reevaluate yourself, see what you're doing. Are you wasting time worried so much about a certain drill or a certain mechanic that isn't really helping you right now? And what can we do to kind of challenge yourself and continue to get better? Change your training methods like just like Sean said, is evaluate yourself and see, is it true? Is it true? Okay. If it's not, then so what? But if it is true, take it to heart and work at it. Put your nose in the ground and then come back and tell us two years from now, hey, coach, you remember when I couldn't hit the inside fastball? Like, watch now. Boom. And they can smash it. And that just tells you that they took it to heart. You made an impact on them. And now they're having success doing what they would enjoy. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. Well, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and, and make sure you're subscri subscribed. You know, share this on social media. It'll help us out a lot getting the word out. Um, we'll get rocking and rolling. Um, we got podcasts actually, as soon as I get done, we're going to release the podcast from last week today and then record this and get this released here soon. So, um, I hope you guys enjoyed it, man. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.